0: Welcome to the XY Advisor Podcast, where it's our goal to help you become the best financial advisor possible and drive the positive evolution of financial advice. Hub24 is an ASX-listed company with over $15 billion funds under management and one of the fastest-growing platforms in the market. Neither a bank nor part of a bank, Hub24 focuses entirely on connecting advisors to a broad range of investment solutions for their clients. Discover why other advisors think Hub24 are the best in the market and access the benefits of choice and efficiency for you and your clients with their market-leaning managed portfolio solution. To find out more, visit hub24.com.au. G'day, g'day, how's it going, what do you know, strike a light, Clayton here from XY Advisor and I'm pretty stoked to finally get to have this chat because uh, Ben is sort of like a very interesting person that's in financial advice but you're tucked away so far away up the coast that uh, you're probably not as well known as as you should be mate but um, so as a background myself and Ben, we got to know each other at the... uh, AMP Horizons Academy, um, good, a- almost a decade ago at this stage, yeah, no. and um, and still to this day, as the one of the funniest things I ever saw was when because you were sort of young back then and you, and you stood up and you're like, "Yeah, I'm definitely going to succeed at this because I've already decided that I'm going to succeed at this," and I was like, "I love that, <laughs> I love that, just so yeah.
1: confident." Just- just for the viewers there i don't want them starting and thinking that i'm a cocky little shit <laughs> um, i think there's a big difference between confident and cockiness uh the person that you're referring to there had neither um, <laughs> I, I think the argument was with that is that everybody that we were in that room with was a solicitor or a lawyer or an accountant or whatever um yeah. and my argument was i can't not succeed at this because i've got nothing to fall back on <laughs> yeah 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 i was a kickboxer so you know like it it had yeah. to work yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i and just then, didn't think i phrased it the best though because it did come off a bit obnoxious
0: right it was i loved it i absolutely loved yeah. it and um and look let's face it you you did go on to prove yourself right um and and uh, it's been awesome to watch man so you uh after after doing um the amp horizon stuff You then shot up to Queensland, um, and then you ended up in Bundaberg, which is where you've grown your practice uh, over the last, I guess, about seven or eight years.
1: Is that a pretty accurate description? Yeah, mate. The the way that it was sort of sold to me was um, we got a bunch of books in the rural area. We think you'd get on well with the rural people because of the way you speak and your background. Um, You've got Cairns, Hubby Bay, or Bundaberg. Hubby Bay is kind of known as a bit of a retiree central, Cairns is a bit of a party place, so it's just a bit too far. Um, And Bundaberg was this little niche kind of place that nobody had really heard about and which proved to be incredibly wrong. I did a little (laughs) bit of Googling um, and found the ratio of people to advisors in Bundaberg was the lowest of the three options. Yeah, right. Um, but then I think when I moved here, I figured out that a lot of, not a lot of them were on Google, and it actually became the highest. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bit of fun. <laughs> that's hilarious. And how? So how big is the population in Bundy? I, mean, I think we had about a hundred and twenty thousand or take So it's not actually that's
0: substantially bigger than I was anticipating. I thought I thought um, I thought it would be closer to say like twenty or thirty thousand.
1: But oh no she's fairly big and when they say so bunda big they mean the surrounding areas and yeah we're yeah. quite lucky up here where you might have one bloke for every hundred thousand acres so yeah <laughs> that's crazy but I think a couple of years ago there was 46 advisors and now there's about 35 seem to be 23 so it's kind of just yeah right we're in quite an interesting position here um, and we're quite looking forward to seeing what happens in the next few years
0: mm. well I mean put it this way um, from what I can tell in the u k before they kicked off their version of what's called it the Royal Commission uh or actually it's more accurately it's called Phasia. before they kicked off that in two thousand and twelve um there was about fifty thousand advisors there was eight and after mm-hmm. their facia came in in two thousand and twelve and you saw quite a steep decline down to twenty five thousand and uh and now it's it's growing again. In a healthy fashion. But there's been some really weird changes. Like, so for example, a lot of it is highly vertically integrated because of the costs and expenses involved in being what we would call licensed. Um, And that's kind of, you know, I'm not seeing that exactly reflected in the Australian market. And hopefully it doesn't end up uh, like that because. I think one of the, the benefits is, is um, the ability to be self-licensed or to, to, to have, you know, co-ops of, of smaller groups of advisors. So hopefully we we keep that diversification alive, but certainly the, dr- the drop in advisors is well underway. You know, we've gone from 25,000 down to 20,000 even in the last year. And, you know, that will undoubtedly go down to, I would say probably 15 over the next couple of years um, because of how strange it is, like advice is changing in real time. And, uh, and that's just very difficult, you know, it, for any profession is, is, is to go through, you know, changes as they're happening um, and to keep up to date and stay on top of it and to avoid the pitfalls and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, man, like I have no doubt that Funderburg is going to um, lose a few more advisors, sure.
1: Mate, you flip that coin as well, and, and just for the, the viewers, I'm a bit of a academic statistical nerd, um, and I don't see why the lovely people that we deal with on a day-to-day basis should be subject to incredible fee rises purely because of a bunch of things that have happened that aren't necessarily their fault. And so I've done a bit of sort of pre-work and used all the cost-to-service calculators you could possibly imagine, and sort of. Come to the conclusion, in theory, it should be like sort of double or triple what we are charging at the moment. And then I'm also not really confident even considering having those conversations with people because I don't think it's their fault. So what we're, and sort of a bit of a caveat for this, um, a couple of years ago, I heard Roxy on the podcast say something like he had made provisions for things that ASIC hadn't yet introduced mm. um, on the basis that he thinks they might be introduced. So what we started doing a couple of years, or sorry, probably 18 months ago, was was seeking ways to find advice faster, more efficient, um, changing the way in which it was delivered and how it was validated and how we signed off. And then just sort of, we we sort of toyed with the concept and people said, nah, and then we changed the idea of it and said, no, you will do this um, because it's the way of the future. And now we're sort of designing Loom videos and whatnot, similar to the one that I showed you the other day. about how to do it, you know, because it's this big bugaboo. I've got all these extra forms to give to this client who doesn't care. Um, And how do I do this faster in order to keep our sustainability? How do we change the notion of profit? Otherwise, very similar to what you were saying, I worry about if we pack up shop, we being advisors as a general and advisors cease to exist, what happens to these clients that we go to bat for day in, day out? I mean, I mean, it's a very sort of relevant argument that you've come across before, but it's a sort of systemic issue which we need to address yesterday, not, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and that was actually, there's different ways to approach, I guess, the changes that are coming. And one of the things and one of the reasons why I wanted to have this podcast with you is because one option is to bail, Right one option is to fight, Uh, one option is to increase fees and one option is to increase efficiencies um, so that you can uh, do a larger amount of work even if the margin is slightly smaller um, thereby technically increasing your margin um, through efficiency. So you've chosen the latter of those four and considering I mean a, a lot of advisors are city-based right and you you would be far more rural based than most advisors and yet even though your clients are farmers and, and whatnot, you're still uh, have you, you still have been able to redesign your offering so that uh, it's an easier way to do administration yes. And like, without sort of, you know, having to go through the, the the video that I watched, what was your thinking
1: behind achieving this? And then how did you do it? So Simon neck sort of says, start with the why. And the why, which was identified when I was doing the masters was advice is too slow. If you think about our generation, like there is our, now working, so are you. You're doing this. My partner, Joe, we're, we're doing this. If I'm going to try and get an advisor to lock us down for, say, an hour or a half now, oh, like just as a bit of a caveat, Joe runs um, the elective surgery department at the Bundaberg base. So Jesus, her day is stupid. Yeah. Some doctor who's like, I don't want to work today. Can you cancel tomorrow's list? And she goes, sorry, what? <laughs> Likes yeah, yeah. come in from Longreach or whatever, it's taken to 12 hours. And he goes, sorry, mate. Doctor doesn't feel like it tomorrow. Oh. So it's a, it's a, and then if you think after all that which happens day in day out how are we supposed to sit down and don't get me wrong I'm just going to caveat the rest of this podcast with due consideration is given to professionalism and all that sort of jazz so I'm not saying you're not worth a lot I'm just saying that in the scheme of things we don't want to sacrifice an hour of our very 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 time poor lives in order to sit with someone if it's not entirely relevant initials absolutely. Do I want to see my solicitor every time to run through a stupid contract which I can run over online? No, email it to me. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. So how, how do we change advice? And it became really bad during the Royal Commission, you know. That some of the big licensees were taking 45 days to get an SOA. I had a, a, a coffee with a, a bird from ANZ this morning. She reckons it's two months. Oh. How is that relevant? How, how does, what do you, I would have forgotten. I, have, <laughs> I, I, I had exactly. to reintroduce myself. Clayton, is it? <laughs> that's right. We spoke to you, didn't we? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's so brutal. And also, they put these caveats on, you know. Uh, balances are got to be within, say, 14 days. Cool. Uh, advice has got to be delivered within, say, 14 or 30 days. Excellent. Done. Oh, if you don't do that, you've got to go back to parapetting and re-establish everything to make sure modeling's right, which, again, clients don't care about. Um, and then, Lord forbid, they have a holiday, or the case that we had yesterday, gave this bloke an SOA then he had a heart attack and a stroke and while they were in there they found out he had cancer so naturally he's not going to make that time frame luckily he's okay but he came in yesterday and it was and we're sort of saying this isn't relevant like how do we give it faster so it's a bit of a nutshell what we've done now is just leaning towards absolute digital signatures so we, we set up our platform plus which I'm happy to share with absolutely anyone We've got a a portal. So you go to our website, you get, you know, Clayton, Daniel, and password, whatever. And in there, it has every document you've ever signed, every document we've got on your behalf. We can share file notes, which you can acknowledge. Um, And the idea of that was just to increase the heck out of the efficiency. So whatever we're writing, you can see. Um, Then it takes under, as per that video, two minutes to create now a, a letter of initial engagement, which has got the fee on it. And then what we do is upload this to the portal, which takes all of 30 seconds. And we issue, we say, hey, mate, this is your, this is what we agreed to. This is what's going on. When you're happy with it, no rush. Hit this button. It'll release a pin to your mobile. And then so you get step one, authentication. And then you log on, step two, and you put the pin in. And it will tell me who signed it, where the pin was sent to. So it has to obviously be your mobile number. And then, like, you can't tell me from a compliant point of view that that's not bloody golden. Because there's mm. two steps to get in there and then so what we're doing is just screaming back we've done templates for absolutely everything we get it not challenging asic don't want to see cookie cutting we're just saying all of the content that fascia wants is there so you just go through and delete what is and isn't relevant and i've encapsulated everything you name it it's in there test trust direct equities you name it she's there so you simply just go through and delete what's not relevant and you can launch that as well and if you need to hey clay here's the notes from the meeting Acknowledge them, just in case. Essex says we need you to acknowledge on a second platform what you spoke about. We need your client to figure out what was going on. Yeah, that that is a whole. I mean, first of all, congratulations,
0: well done. Um, I love the way that you've tackled this FASIA problem, um, sort of head on. You've said, okay this is the world in which we live. Um, I'm just going to make it as streamlined, efficient, effective, and enjoyable for my client as much as possible. And I I think that's a really, really awesome sort of frame to to tackle this with. Um, And in terms of getting, and I've never actually thought of this, but the ability for a client to view the file notes that are on them, that is, I mean, that is a fantastic piece of, I guess, transparency for, for the client, because there's probably going to be 25% of clients, you know, if you think of the HBDI sort of personality test, you, you're going to get 25% of clients that are going to be really interested in that anyway. Um, and, 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 and they're probably going to have the ability to sort of say yes or no, or, you know, and I'd imagine probably majority of the time would be yes. Um, but the fact that you can achieve sort of highly compliant and efficient advice, in this new overly, not overly regulated, but just the new uh, regulated regime is fantastic. Um, so yeah, man, you should, you, and I guess how the question is, how are your clients responding to this?
1: It, it needs a little bit of handholding, which is understandable. It's completely new. Um, we have no problem with the Gen Y, kind of Gen X. The, the issue comes, we've got one client who's 96, <laughs> it. Uh, majority of them even the, the sort of quote-unquote oldies 65 to say 80 they're fine they have to get a, a email and whatnot for my mygov anyway Sendling is pushing them that way so they log on the majority because they say i forgot my password and i say obviously i don't know your password i'm guessing it's something along the lines of blah 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 and they go yeah 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 whatever and so we can just Resetting pass, it's super easy, and we've just given a bunch of Loom videos and step-by-step, step, um, uh, sorry, before, before we sort of stop, the, the, the portal, of course, we upload the statement. So any advice document goes in there and it's got bloody bells on it. Clayton, this is your statement, bang. And so they just run through it. It's becoming incredibly efficient. So the case study that I wanted to sort of bring to your attention to answer your question. Lovely couple went from here to WA in the middle of nowhere. Um, Tire blew up, carded something Something else, very inconvenient. Uh, she said, I need five grand. She's fine, you know, so we validated her. she was, same number, all that jazz. And I said, how do you want it? And she said, well, look, you can't email it because we're, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Uh, can't post it because we're not going to be here by the time it gets here. And I thought, this is where the portal, so all we did is jumped up what we call it, execution only, you know, I want five grand, paid to my account. And then a product form, bang, bang, it was there in two minutes. She logs on, submits her PIN, bang, bang, sends me an email. You know, you're right to process this withdrawal. So I call about two seconds later, like realistically call about 20 minutes later. She's all done. I reckon it's probably going to be in your account by three. Damn, man. The, the, the scenarios, and I've, I've always, like, I'm just that pesty kid that keeps sending them out. To <laughs> everyone who doesn't care. I'm like, ha, huh, I know you don't care, so you're getting another one. Um, but I've done 15 of these scenarios. Easy. And it's just such a big problem solver because we were finding as well being rural-based, we've got clients in Mackay, we've got clients in Tully, where nobody knows where that is, clients in Tassie. Um, and even getting things that we have, like every advice firm has, dates. So things need to be done by June or July or whatever. And if I need to post stuff to them, not going to happen. If you're encroaching on that 65 mark and you need to be making contributions and can't, how do I do it faster? Mm. And, and this solves all that because we had one lady in Tully, same thing, had to do this, 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 this. The most complicated piece of advice I think I've ever done. recontribution, contribution, you name it, application to super assets. And I think she had to do 26 pins or 27 pins or something like that. But it got done on in a 25 minute span. My email just blew up boom, 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 boom. And we said, Bob's your uncle, right to go. So if that didn't happen, her retirement experience don't get me wrong you know she sort of came to us last minute but would be significantly different
0: huh
1: man that's what what level
0: of okay so you're within focus and the interesting thing i find about in focus <clears throat> is they have their own software and then mm-hmm. i assume that the software and the compliance team work hand in hand quite succinctly and i i i would I would imagine it would have an advantage. Do you think that piece of software plays a huge role in being able to do that? Or do you think you could replicate what you're doing externally with another piece of software?
1: We, uh, I'm just very, very conscious that people from Infocus will be watching this. (laughs)
0: yeah absolutely
1: I mean you're still allowed to give your honest opinion they give um, they they call it Platform Plus and Platform Plus is this amazing beast that sits in the corner that nobody really knows what it can do and to be frank I can't take any of this credit because it was all Colleen that designed it um, and and asked those questions and said hey why why can't this be done by this in theory a lot of the other things could be done by other but you, you couldn't do the digital you couldn't do the portal you have to sort of back that up and the good thing about platform plus is that they've already got their ip and all their insurances in place and they've got a big bad server that makes sure this because you know we've got high level medical professionals and whatnot and they don't want that stuff getting out not that there's a hierarchy yeah. even mums and nobody wants their stuff getting out yes um, so i think in theory it'd be really really difficult to replicate but also and i'm taking the credit for this as well so anyone <laughs> suck it um <laughs> it wouldn't have been what it is without our constant pestering and involvement.
0: Yeah. Cool. No, I've, I've got no doubt. It's, it's
1: been an interesting thing
0: when people ask me about, you know, licensees, I always do mention like, because of how much advice is dependent upon compliance these days. It does make a lot of sense to have a licensee thoroughly involved in the statement of advice process. So there's there's an advantage there. And then I guess the only question is, can other licensees replicate what um, InFocus and Platform Plus can do with other pieces of technology? Who knows? I'm certainly no expert, um, but that's kind of, it sort of stands out to me as an advantage. Uh, One of the things that I also respect about what you do, Ben, is um, you really practice what you preach in terms of being, um, you know, financially diligent with your own money-making uh, decisions and your and your own ability to sort of budget. Mm-hmm. And and even though, you know, I think you were maybe 25 when we met, which would put you at sort of like, you know, early to mid-30s now, um, sort of I've seen how responsible that you have been during this whole process of, of building your own business and purchasing properties and, and really just sort of, you know, locking away cash, <clears throat> squirreling away, I think they call it. What sort of effect becoming a financial planner do you think has this had on your own personal um, money management? And what what's your view on sort of, you know, being a successful something for your clients to want to admire and 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 you know mirror i guess your own success and 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 how much of that do you talk about when you talk to your clients you know do you talk about what you've done yourself as a part of your financial planning process
1: definitely has been taken into consideration if you look at any self-employed business the last person that they think about is themselves like i've got a buddy in new zealand and he teaches dance to school and we all ridiculed him at school didn't we because he was the idiot (laughs) And now he goes, literally goes around New Zealand teaching kids to dance because it helps with their confidence and their, you name it. And he got, I'm not sure if it's an award or an accolade or just whatever. Um, but of the 360 odd days in last year, he was using Airbnb for like 340 of them. Wow. And so he's making Bitcoin, but he's spending Bitcoin. I just happened to say to me that they're like, what are you, what are you doing? And he's like, I've not thought about, I don't even look at, and it's one of the biggest bugaboos that I have to keep grinding because I'm so far behind, like I've done nothing for me in five years or whatever, and I, I, it's, that became awfully evident with financial planning. And also with, you know, the profit used to be like this, and now it's sort of like this. And what I managed to do, and I think this is a big statement and I stand by it, and one of the things I learned from the masters is that if you're going to make a rash decision, you have to keep it and argue it. Um, <laughs> And for any of you that follow Clayton in his earlier years, you'd sort of understand where this concept came from. But I think property is too expensive no? as a general rule. But more importantly, with property, it locks you into whatever occupation that you're doing. So that we've got a bloke up here, and he's a high-level surgeon, which is basically just sort of political nonsense. For he's a really <laughs> painful person. Um, <laughs> And he'll constantly bring it up in conversations like, I haven't got time for this. I've got $4 million mortgage. And you're like, hmm, don't care, don't care. It's your fault. (laughs) But I found myself doing that as well. And I thought years and years and years ago, and it sort of helps that I'm in Bundaberg with the median house price is significantly less than Brisbane and Sydney and all that. How do I replace the notion of conventional employment with passive income in order to do what I want to do? Because we've all been that 20-year-old and that 25-year-old that, maybe white lies a lot of the stories and I sort of thought you have to be accountable to yourself so you can say whatever the hell you want but when you go home and look in the mirror you've got to realize you've got to be comfortable with that bloke and I thought if I'm busting my guts out here charging fees and whatnot and I aren't I'm not sustainable like what's the point I'm just giving these people advice and then realistically I'm going to end up on you know, a bank when banks were employing three years ago. So what we managed, what I managed to do was, and it was really interesting concept when I bought my first house, I didn't realize that the bank actually took the deposit for some reason. ironically had a financial planning background, but so 84 odd grand disappeared and I thought, huh, (laughs) I'm sitting in this brand new house with like a swag and a a computer screen for a TV. Um, but what we managed to do was buy houses, super cheap, spend a bit of money on them, paint, carpet, you know, just little things, and then put second houses on the backs. And in Bundaberg, I can do that for 200 grand. So the house in a quarter acre, second house for 160. We've done that a few times now. And so most of the houses will spit out roughly 34-ish, 35 grand, give or take. Wow. So if you take, you know, the argument with that is that there's a huge increase in capital from the get-go because it's a second house there's some tax benefits there, you get depreciation, you get deductibility, you get, you know, rates, and all that sort of jazz. More importantly, it's hugely financially positive. Like, so the cash flow, most of them is spitting out 10, 15 after loans. Wow. So the argument now is when I'm talking to clients, when I come to work, my mindset says, you don't have to be here. Not that that should sound, I, I don't want everyone to think I'm cocky. I've been in the foxhole for eight years now, so I'm confident because I'm relying on this horse. Yes. Um, I I come to work because I want to. And when things like FASIA and the exams and the masters, which is going to sting most people, 30 or 40 grand, come in and you've got a couple of kids or you're time poor or you're thinking about retiring, how are you supposed to find that sort of money? So we changed the ideology between work to want now because there's such a, a, you know, it's just, it took a while. I don't get me wrong. Summarising this, but yeah, it's such a big shift in perspective. So when clients come in and they've got issues, it's come on, mate, bring it in. We can deal with it. It's no, it's no drama.
0: Yeah, that's a really good story um, because yeah, you mentioned earlier when uh, when I met you, you were a, uh, a kickboxer, <laughs> and, uh, and and I'd sort of come from uh, tax accounting and a little bit of a year of power planning and. Um, but I still had a lot to learn myself. But I remember thinking, wow, you know, like at least, I, at least my last job wasn't, you know, clocking people with elbows. Coincidentally, I learned the other day that when, uh, when you strike with an elbow to not clench your fist, because if you clench your fist, you're softening up the, uh, the piece of the elbow that you actually want to. And so to keep the, the hand open has, uh, creates more of a, a brutal impact. What and doing, What were you doing yesterday? Did that just pop up on Facebook? <laughs> no, 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 no. Because uh, the Conor McGregor fight, where do you <laughs> strike, the, the shoulder strikes? And then, so I was like, okay, well, how, yeah, anyway, so I end up looking into uh elbow strikes. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a, a side side note there. Um, so what's the plans, man? Like, obviously, you, you're in your early 30s, you, you're setting yourself up for the future. What, <clears throat> What do you see as the future of advice? What does it look like? What are you changing? How are you staying up to date beyond efficiencies and effectiveness and compliance? Like where is your head at and what are the next steps that you're taking?
1: I really like, and, you know, just again, back to the caveat, not trying to annoy other people, but I really like the inclusion of the education. You know, historically, diplomas and advanced diplomas were a bit of a joke. I think I did an advanced diploma over a weekend that I found on Groupon because I needed CPD points. And it was it was an absolute joke. Um, And I've just finished the master's. And so that's uh, the conventional education is what will teach you something. And then in six months, we're going to ask you what we taught you. And the master's is like, we don't know what you're going to respond with, dude. We want you to make sure that you know this so well you can have a position and think about stuff that we haven't even considered. And you're like, right. So when I got my research project back, they said, you actually want to pre- – this isn't just a mark. You really want to push this. I'd be applying for unis, for your PhD, and I'd be looking for scholarships, and I'd be doing this, not just, you know, oh, you got to – credit, whatever, off you go. So we sort of started investigating that, and I think it's going to be a bit of a game changer. But now, when we were growing up, the aim was to have as many policies as possible, um, as little overheads as possible, and basically, unofficially, of course, and some of you are going to not like this, but never return phone calls. I mean, why would you? So now, it's just shifted. Yeah. So now I think uh, we'd have about 160 ongoing clients. And that's fee for service. I think we've got like two grandfather policies, which um, annoy me. And then we'd have, I don't know, 20 or 30 policies of risk. And most of them, we just send them an email every couple of years or every year and say, hey, has anything changed? We need to chat. If not, sweet it. So I think the notion is going to change from being all of this and doing nothing Mm -hmm. to doing all of this and doing everything. And every advisor is going to get to a certain, depending on their support staff, very similar to a CPA arrangement. Everybody's going to get to a number where realistically you can't service more than 100, 150, 200 clients. Yeah. And even 200s pushing it. It's big numbers. And especially with some of these assets coming out. So the conversation we had this morning was if people are consistently taking money out, can we cancel the arrangement before the tenure on the basis that advice isn't just, you know, if they're going from 100 and they're old and their aim is to spend all their money, how about we just – and they said, yeah, yeah, but if you're not doing a review, you've got to give back all the money. Said, yeah, right. So my response was then, would you like me to do a review on an investment account that's got $15 in it? Yeah. And like right, I get it, that's a bad scenario, but there's got to be some. So I think we're going to be- become really particular about who we're taking on now. Yeah. And then there's going to be some mutual agreement when we get to the CSA. We've done this, we've done that. We say, hey, guys, we, we just don't need you, And you just don't need us. We're still here. Pick up the phone, but... We're just not going to charge you. Just re-engage us when you're ready. So I think the model's going to change and we're going to see a lot of small businesses having two or three ARs, capped amount of clients, you know, and it's going to factor in things like Ben doesn't want to work Fridays. Ben wants to play guitar. Jess wants to have a baby. um, So she doesn't want to work Tuesdays. And there's going to be this, this massive shift of when we first started, we did everything for them straight away. Whereas realistically now, the website tells everyone that I don't work Friday afternoons and that's okay because mm. we've still got enough margin and profit to remain sustainable. And we just need to allocate our time now. So my calendar sort of looks like return phone calls, study, whatever else, keep up on the current affairs. And so we used to come to work and go, right, I don't know what to do. Yeah. So it's just going to become a bit more structured. Yeah. And also um, it's the last thing about that, and I'm very, very guilty of sort of this type of mindset is when we first started there seemed to be some sort of internal hierarchy or i thought sometimes i was better than other people and vice versa but i didn't really understand the situation so like you'd get a guy in town and he'd say oh this guy's stuffed me over this is the advice that i got and i was the first to go that's crap but i had no idea about and i am sort of used that for my own growth now but now when we're getting clients and it's happened a lot this year people say oh you know i'm sick of this bloke and you sort of say why what what's he doing? Oh, super doesn't my super hasn't grown. Like, where are you? What are you doing? What, are you, what If it's in an index fund and you're not putting any money in, this is just changing their expectations.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of like that. So rather than rather than just assuming that the client is, has a a valid reason to not like the advice that they've received, is actually maybe even challenging them as to what what the problem is and and potentially there's not a problem beyond you know just however the market is performed mm. yeah man that's a really good insight um now with respect to the fact that not everyone has access to platform plus um i'll uh, i'll make sure that if you want to share that loom video that you sent across we can put a link in the description, um, if that's the kind of thing that that you want to share with everyone. Alternatively, you know, if someone wanted to reach out and say, hey, what's the best way, you know, let people know what's
1: going on. So what are we at? Ben at Nielsen Wealth, N-E-I-L-S-O-N, and then Wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H.com.au zero four eight one three four three nine seven five call the office send a link like just do stuff because sometimes i think i've got a quote here from um, hemingway that i was hoping you'd let me bring up um, <laughs> God, please and i'm not trying to be sexist but this is just hemingway because i mean he was a man without direction will always return to his former self and i just think sometimes that a lot of the people that we're dealing with they're getting sensory overload they've changed everything The advisors are used to doing this and now you can't do this and they go oh bugger it you know Bugger it, bugger it and that they're experiencing sensory overload and lot of these people don't know what it is and so even if you're just bored man just call and just make sure that some of the most meaningful conversations i've had in the last 12 months is when said, say it's hey, going on they go i feel a little bit bloody bland and you're like you're allowed to that's fine yeah but, you know but let's investigate that because you're going through he's going through we're going through we've got a little solution but if we're talking about stuff then we can find a practical way to tackle it But I just, I kind of think that all advisors, whether you, me, you name them, they're all doing advice. I'm not quite sure why we're not going, this is what we do. How do you guys do it? Because you're doing something faster than what we're doing. And if we can make it easier and quicker and more effective, why is it hidden? No, 100%.
0: Yeah, that's been, you know, as you know, one of the core tenants of XY since it began. If we can lift all boats, you know, rise the tide all boats rise it's um it's the best way to my mind and thankfully to uh, thousands of other advisors that the best way to for everyone to get better is less top-down uh forcing regulation and more sharing amongst each other this collegiate peer-to-peer learning and yeah man um it's it's awesome i really do appreciate you coming on sharing with us and it's been really cool to watch how you've sort of pulled it all together over the last few years man and um
1: my hat off to you so thank you so much for coming on man i'm super humbled for the introduction and the, the opportunity so thank you cheers man thanks again